Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Hello, beautiful people, and welcome back to The Haunted Estate here with your host. Yeah, that's me, Selena Myers. I hope you are all having a wonderful October season. It's definitely getting chillier out there. I've been to look at some pretty cool costumes. It's been a great time. So I want to start this episode out by saying the contest is now open. So if you are in, you know, southwestern Ontario, even farther, people come from across the border. We want you to call in with your ghost stories. One eight seven seven two six zero three four two eight or email them to me at Selena at the haunted estate.com. This is your opportunity to win free tickets to Fear Farm. That is six haunts regularly priced at $30 per ticket. Pretty sure it's $29.99. So if you want a chance to win those tickets, please call in your story. Please write in your story. I will also be announcing it on Facebook and Instagram. Please, Instagram is now new. Turn my personal one into The Haunted Estate because you know what? The Haunted Estate is me. So follow me on Instagram, The Haunted Estate. So yes, the most magical place in the world. Let's talk about Fear Farm. Fear Farm is located in Air. This is just 15 minutes outside of Kitchener, if that really, to be honest. It is six amazing haunts. You have Condemned Corn, Hillbilly Hike, Stocking Dead, The Hayride, Hiller House, Carnival, and it will blow your mind. People have just been giving the most absolute rave reviews. It is the best place this side of the border. So get your free tickets. If not, just visit Head over to fearfarm.ca. I have been working there. It has been amazing, amazing, amazing. I have absolutely loved seeing everybody out. And just, ah, if you are looking for the best Halloween thing to do, it is Fear Farm. So let's move forward. This episode, we are going into, I think it's chapter five of my book. I only have a couple left. I'm going to try and hammer those out before the end of the week. Had a bit of a gap there, but you know, that's all good. I hope you guys are having a great season and, uh, here we go. The summoning. Somehow I had found myself walking into a war zone. A paranormal group based out of Sarnia, Ontario, had called me after they had exhausted every other resource within a hundred kilometers of every direction. The paranormal team had spent countless nights, and the founder had even moved into the house to help the family feel safer. The past six months for the family had been one crazy event after another. Judy and Mike had taken in their first foster child nearly a year ago. They had so much luck raising their two other sons, who were now 14 and 17. 
that they felt that they should be responsible and help a child in need. That is where Brandon comes in. He had been bounced around various foster homes for years, and the family had been warned that he may be difficult, but they felt up to the challenge. Brandon was due at their home the next morning. He arrived in silence, said his hellos, and went to the room he would be sharing with the family's 17-year-old son, Jacob. Judy and Mike had been a bit taken aback by the boy's black-dyed hair, pants hung with chains and tattoos that marred the 17-year-old boy's body. From all aspects, Brandon was a kind boy. His appearance didn't fit the stereotype that fell on young people who dress in this particular way. He always went to class, did his homework, and even helped do dishes after dinner. Judy and Mike felt like they had lucked out. They even enjoyed Brandon's company. Many times Judy tried to be a mother figure and get close to Brandon. But every time she asked him a personal question or tried to be kind in the way only a mother can, he would come up with some excuse of homework or needing to use the restroom. This broke Judy's heart. She knew that this alienation was because the poor boy had been passed around like the collection plate at church for most of his life. They were two months in when Mike and Judy's youngest son approached them with a strange story. He said he was in the garage working on his bike when Brandon came in with a black book and asked Josh if he wanted to hear a cool story. Brandon then proceeded to read dark lines from the black book. Once he was finished reading, he walked to Josh and asked if he wanted to be a part of a really cool club. Josh was smart for his age, and he laughed off the offer and just turned away. He had never been a big fan of Brandon from the start. Josh had thought that Brandon left the garage since a few minutes had passed, but when he turned for a wrench, he saw Brandon standing in the same place. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. He caught Josh's look and pulled a little Swiss Army knife from his jean pocket. He pulled the blade out and pressed it into his palm. Josh was so shocked that he moved backwards so fast that he fell over his bike. Brandon laughed and said it was that easy, that all he needed to do to join was cut his hand and shake hands. Josh had then bolted out of the garage and spent the rest of the night in his room deciding if he should tell his parents or just keep the weird moment to himself. He knew that Brandon was a good kid and he didn't want something like this to make his parents decide he wasn't safe and ship him off like every other family did. That night, Josh was finishing up some homework on his laptop when he felt hands on his shoulder. He hadn't even heard Brandon come in the room. 
The hands started kneading into his shoulders, and Josh didn't move as he assessed what kind of rub this was. But it didn't feel innocent. Josh could feel Brandon's breath right against his head. Hot, wet, and smelling of pot. Are you sure you don't want to join my club? Josh could feel the sly grin forming in Brandon's words. Josh backed his chair up hard into Brandon, knocking the wind out of him, and then sprung up and rushed down the stairs of the split level and tore into the living room with such force. The whole situation had made him so angry, tears were forming as he yelled everything Brandon had said and done. Josh had always been a very quiet boy, so when he had something to say, his family always listened. Mike yelled for Brandon to come downstairs. He was trying to keep an open mind. When his parents questioned Brandon, he denied everything. Josh became livid. His parents did not know what to do. So they left it alone for a few days, but Josh stayed with his story. Mike and Judy decided it wasn't worth the upset of Josh to keep Brandon in the home. That night they made the call they never wanted to make. The next day, the social worker arrived, and the family watched as Brandon ignored them and went right to the car. Before the car pulled off, he rolled down his window. I'll miss you, Joshy, he said as he smiled. The car pulled away from the curb. A week after Brandon left the family, they had a meeting and came to the conclusion that their fostering adventure had come to an end. It wasn't worth the chance. They felt they had done all they could. It is possible that Mike and Julie realized they didn't feel right fostering when they had such an impressionable 14-year-old in the house. Along with the decision to end fostering came the dissecting of Jacob's room. Removing the twin bed and desk from the left side of the wall, Jacob and Mike first started with the mattress when they noticed something on the wall. There was an assortment of symbols carved into the drywall. When they moved the box spring in the wooden captain's bed, they found the wall was decorated in the strange markings and symbols. They were the same length as the bed. Judy sat against the wall, pressing her fingertips into the deep lines as Mike stirred the mud that would soon fill them. Within a few days, the spot on the wall matched the rest of the blue walls around it. The first night, when the paint was barely dry, Jacob woke to the feeling of someone lowering themselves onto his bed. He strained his eyes in the night to see a large man standing at the end of his bed. Jacob reached for his bedside lamp as he looked. Light echoed throughout the room. The man was simply gone. He moved his eyes over the bed and saw that two large hoof prints were pressed into the green comforter. The prints were outlined in what looked like black ink. Jacob screamed for his parents. His parents came into the room and saw the marks without seeing anything else. First, Judy had gotten mad at Jacob for ruining the new blanket. When she saw the outline of what looked to be a horse hoof, Jacob explained what he had seen and his mother's mind went directly to the carvings she found on the wall. Without her family's knowledge, she had taken a picture of the symbols and headed off to the library. The symbols were all connected to a satanic Bible, and a lot of them represented demons that you could summon. 
she was not afraid of what she found because she, as a teenager, had been into all those kinds of things. She had dated a very eccentric guy who was convinced he was the devil's brother. So them and their friends spent many nights in the cemetery trying to contact the dead. Luckily, by the time she was 11, she had grown out of this dark face. Unfortunately, her ex-boyfriend wasn't as lucky. He messed with the wrong guys and found himself six feet under. That night, she might not have been scared, but the slew of events that had ravaged the family over the next few months did. It started with the hoofs. Then came the vulgar messages slurred against the ceiling. At first, the parents were worried Josh had decided to lash out and blame the events of something on someone else. One night, the family sat in the living room as the cats, as their family cat Marcus, a fat old tabby, was dragged backwards by its tail across the living room right in front of them. That wasn't all. Everything the family needed always went missing. If it was a razor, a toothbrush, anything. It could always be found on the roof. The family had finally reached out to a paranormal team when they awoke to the stairway that connected the first floor to the second was gone, as if a backhoe had come in and torn it out. It was literally nowhere to be found. In the beginning, the paranormal investigators were weary, as they were not coming up with any evidence at all. Then, when they were conversing in the kitchen about packing up and coming home, they heard a knock on the front door. The family had left the team alone for the night, so they didn't expect anyone to be at the door at 4.55 a.m. When they opened the door, they found all camera equipment had been staged, all the camera equipment that had been staged in the rooms around the house was sprawled all over the front lawn and the interior lights of three cars were all on, lighting up the property like a Christmas tree. Reviewing their footage, they found that all the cameras had shut off individually before anything had been removed. The team then called another team, who had experience of their own. The woman who was working in the basement found herself lost in the basement. She said she had felt like she had passed through at least 200 doors before finally making her way upstairs. This was strange as the basement was one twenty by thirty foot roomed that only contained one set of washing and drying machines. One of the paranormal teams had heard my name through a friend of theirs and gave me a call. It was a stormy day when I arrived, and I needed to be quick. I made my way into the foyer, but the family was not there. They since had moved in with Mike's parents while the paranormal team sorted out what they thought was going on. They had contacted a local church, but the pastor had thought nothing of it and seemed annoyed at the accusations. I sat on the base of the stairs and tried to make a connection. No matter how hard I tried, I could not make the connection I was attempting. The silver, silver sparkles would start to take over my vision, then be pushed back out into inky blackness. I held my breath and pushed harder. Like the pop of a bubble, my vision was gone. I felt for the banister beside me and held on tight. I could smell ozone and rotten eggs. I could hear the sound of heavy, putrid breath, and I saw an outline of something I couldn't quite describe. 
No matter how hard I tried, I could not bring him into complete focus. I started to get the dizzy feeling you get before you pass out, and I knew I needed a break. When I finally broke the connection, I woke on the front lawn of the house with the paranormal group all around me. I called quickly to the lady closest to me to give me paper and pen. I quickly drew from memory what I had seen before the images were gone forever. No one could make out the grotesque thing I had seen. I took a picture of the image and sent it directly to Pastor John. I knew that whatever was in this house needed more attention than anyone had expected. I called the pastor that night, and he told me after a couple hours of brainstorming with some colleagues, he knew what the family was facing, and he had contacted the right people who would be able to help them. Luckily, the group Pastor John had called were at the home the next day, and by midnight that night, they had deemed the house free and clear. They called the family back with great news. Judy and Mike thanked them over and over. They slept like rocks that night, and the anxiety was finally leaving their minds. They pulled into the street the next day at 10 a.m. after a celebration breakfast. The street was surrounded by fire trucks and police cars. The house had burned down almost to the ground within the wee morning hours. A few days later, the family sifted their way through the rubble that had once been a home full of memories. Now everything was black and ashen. Not even the structure was recognizable. It was as if the slate had been wiped clean. The sharp, dark edges of burned framing wood looked menacing, but as soon as you touched the wood, it would fall to ash, as if the evil no longer had the power to stay strong. The family was heartbroken that their home was nothing but a pile of rubble. But in the back of their minds, they knew this meant that they could start off somewhere fresh and forget about the horrors that had become their life. It's been a few years since that night. I called to check in with the family when I had chosen their story as one I wanted to conclude in this book. Judy told me that since that night, good luck had filled their lives, as if they had received a gift from the heavens after battling something so dark. So, guys, that concludes that chapter. That is one where I didn't really have a hand in anything. I just found it such an absolutely interesting story, interesting event that went on. It was really, it was strange to go to a place that had so many people try and solve the problem and how many different ways they went about it and different personalities that they were. And the weird thing with these groups was everyone had an idea that was so different from everyone else's idea. It was incredible. And then finally, the group that did come in was actually a Wiccan-based group um, that had their church in the area. I think it was kind of out of somebody's giant garage type thing. But they came in. I don't really know what they did. I wasn't there for that. Um, I went out food because <laughs> food's most important. But it was different. But sometimes the evil that can lie within, you know, the fire could have totally been coincidence. But sometimes that energy just needs to burn itself out. And that happens in actual burning. <laughs> so I'm really glad that they have had a really nice life. Those aren't actually their names, but they're really great people. And it's funny. It's been like two years since the book. But I just talked to her about three days ago on Facebook. But um, I love you guys. So if you do want a free ticket to the 
Fear Farm in air, please. There are a couple things I would appreciate that you could do if you do call in your story, which is our toll-free phone number, 1-877-260-3428. You can email it, um, Selena at the Haunted Estate. mean the world if you could follow Fear Farm on Instagram, fearfarm.ca, and on Facebook, fearfarm.ca. They're also on Snapchat, which is fearfarm.ca. Their Instagram might just be Fear Farm. You'll see it. You'll see a crazy lady in a striped dress. That's me. As always, I absolutely love you guys. I hope you're enjoying the podcast and I love your feedback. Make sure to follow me on Snapchat, which is Selena's Life, C-E-L-I-N-A-S-L-I-F-E. Love to talk to you guys. Love to get to know you guys. We're all friends here. So have a great one, guys, and uh, peace out. Woo!